Uh, back in 2017, I'm sorry, in 2007, I met with a couple prior to doing their wedding, and, and it wasn't long after that they called, and they were excited that she was pregnant. Well, then I get a call on September 27, 2008, that they're at Fairview Hospital, and she's delivering the baby. And yet the doctor says something doesn't seem right. Would I pray? I remember I had a sports thing going over here when that happened. And, and so I stopped, and I prayed, and and some hours later, they called and said, would I come to the Cleveland Clinic now where the baby's been transferred to? And uh, I went there, and I prayed, and I baptized this child. Now, the next seven days, that child had five surgeries until finally the Lord called uh, that child into his arms. And, and it was a sad moment. But since that child was connected to so many tubes and so many wires, this family never really got to hold the baby. And yet the image in my mind of mom sitting there clutching the baptismal certificate in her arms, just holding it. And so at the funeral, I worked off that piece of information, and I brought all the kids forward. We sat on the floor, and I had a picture of my baptism. And we talked about the value, the reassurance, the love of God that comes to us in and through this very special act from God. So, as you're wiping some tears from your eyes right now, I think we ought to take this time today to ask the question, what is baptism, and then why is it so powerful, and why is it so reassuring to us? Well, baptism is one of two sacraments. They're special sacred acts. They're gestures of love from God to us. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Next week, Pastor Mark will be in here, and he's going to help us work through what that Lord's Supper is all about. And we're calling this two-week sermon series, we're calling them Gestures of God's Love. And watch my hand when I say that it's God coming to us in a very special way. Now, you may have some Catholic friends, and they would argue with you and say, oh, no, there's seven sacraments. I would tell you, never argue about it. They're all great things to do. We do those things but we just don't call them sacraments. As Lutherans, we have this little definition that helps us focus in on what a sacrament is, and it helps us know that it was instituted or commanded by Jesus Christ. So we're going to read in a little while that he said to go and make disciples. How? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then secondly, there's this visible means by which God's word works in our lives. In this case, it's the water. And then most importantly, we receive baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Now that word baptize comes from a Greek word, baptizo, and it really just means to apply water. It could be by immersing or washing or pouring of water. And, and in the Old Testament times, we would see that the Jews would baptize, so to speak. They were ceremonially clean, their hands before worship, the pots and the pans and the things they would use during a worship service. And in Mark chapter 7, we read that when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And then listen to this. They observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. And then we kind of fast forward to John the baptizer. Uh, he pointing the way to the Messiah, right? And he baptized, but he baptized with water for the repentance of sins. No Holy Spirit, just pointing us to our sin and our need for the Messiah. 
he preached this baptism of repentance of sins. And as the people were repenting, they would show this change of their heart by coming for an outward cleansing. Uh, But let's face it, that's not enough. We've got to include Christ in this process. And John knew that himself. And so his words that he has in Matthew 3, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, those moments in life where you wish you could have been there, boy, I wish I could have been there when Jesus showed up wanting to be baptized Here's Jesus. He is the God-man. He's identifying with this new Israel. Imagine the look on John's face. Say, what? Well, listen to how that story goes. It says, John tried to deter him. It says, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so for now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I've loved, with whom I'm well pleased. Now, remember, John's baptism was for repentance, and Jesus never sinned, right? He didn't need to have repentance of sins, but he was identifying with man's sin, man's need to be baptized, man's need to have those sins forgiven. Uh, I know that all sounds confusing, but look at it this way. The washing of baptism was to make clean. And Jesus was a human, he was the God-man, and he needed to be washed frequently like the rest of the Jews would. But at the same time, Jesus' baptism was very special because he was set apart for this special job that God had called him to. The voice of heaven, the Father commissioning him to his ministry, and the Spirit coming down, giving him special empowerment. And then what happens after that? Immediately his ministry begins. He goes off and he's tempted by Satan. What does he do? He uses God's word. The same temptations that we have that we can defeat by God's word. Now, after Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, he's now ready to ascend into heaven. Now, I want you to get the image in your mind. His very last moments, his very last words that he's going to share with his disciples. I imagine he chooses them well. I imagine they're really important. And look at this verse. It says, Jesus came to them and said, here it is, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, he doesn't just leave it there. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. Incredible. Incredible. See, this is his commissioning to the disciples and to you and me. It's the same to go and make disciples, and how in the world do we do that? We do that through baptism. We do that when we teach the law and the gospel. Now, that might sound kind of hard for us to do, and yet he ended that section by saying, hey, by the way, I'm going to be with you through the end of the time. So in Acts chapter 2 now, we see they're doing what they're challenged to do, and Peter's preaching all about Jesus as the Savior, and then it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. 
They said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what do we need to do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children and all who are far off, all who the Lord our God will call. Did you catch the volume of what's said in here? For the forgiveness of sins. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit as a gift from God. Water, God's word, it's transformational. Talk about transformational. 3,000 people were baptized after that message. So how's all this work in our life in reality? Well, there are many questions that we have about baptism. And so I thought we'd kind of go back to our confirmation days, back to Luther's small catechism. It tells us that there are two sacraments, uh, sacred acts. It comes from a Latin word, sacramentum, uh, and it refers to an oath of an allegiance that a Roman soldier would make. And then this early church started to use it as an allegiance to Christ at their baptism. So a question that we might ask is, so why are we using water in baptism? Well, if you go to the grocery store, there's shelves of all kinds of waters all claiming to be better for you than the others, and yet when we do a baptism, it's tap water. It comes right out of a faucet. And yet combined with God's word, it becomes powerful. It becomes life-changing for us. God chooses the most common element on earth, water. And yet with his word, we get cleansed of our sins and rescued from death and the devil and, and adopted into God's family. And you might just say, well, how can water do such things? Well, I love the way the catechism put this. It ties it all together. Certainly not just water, but the word of God in and with the water does these things. Along with the faith, which trusts this word of God in the water. For without God's word, the water's plain water. It's no baptism. But with the word of God, it's a baptism. It's a life-giving water. It's rich in grace and washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that helpful? Just, boy, when I read that, it's like, that really says it all. Now, some churches do an immersion. You go down under the water. That's perfectly fine, perfectly fine. Jesus was immersed. It says he came up out of the water. But again, it's not about the type of water. It's not about how many gallons of water. It's God's word that gives the blessings. Just like in communion, you don't come up and say, oh, I don't want that little thing. I need the whole jug of wine, and I need a whole loaf of bread, or else God can't come to me. Wrong. Power of God's word. In this case, in and through whatever amount of water is applied. Now, since Christ has already purchased us in our salvation, then why should we be baptized? Well, first of all, because God tells us to. Second of all, because he invites us to. And third of all, because we sin. We all fall short. We mess this relationship all, all along, and we can't even fix it on our own. So God comes to us through his word, through his sacraments, offers us forgiveness of sins. He restores the relationship. Baptism is a means of grace, a way by which God comes to us. Now, I have a really good friend, well-connected to God, well-connected to his church, and he found himself in life at a point of despair. Situations in his life came to a head. He was literally all alone in his apartment. Uh, is hopeless, helpless, could not even see a future ahead. All he could do was focus on his baptism. 
I say, what's that about? Well, here's his words, his quote. In my mind, the important part of that realization of baptism was that in baptism, God made a covenant. He made a deal with me that he would never break. In baptism, he became my father and I became his child forever, no matter what. Isn't that powerful view of the, of the resource we have in our baptism? So the next question we may ask ourselves is, so who's to be baptized? Well, we already read a couple moments ago this section here where it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That means all people, young people, old people, rich people, poor people. And yet I find it very sad that if we look at God's big church, all the denominations together, what is it that we fight about most? The two sacraments. The two things that God created to bring us together as his family, we tend to argue about. Don't ever argue about those things. But one of those issues that's brought up is children to be baptized. Well, the answer to that is yes. So why would we baptize children? Do they sin? Can they have faith? Well, Jesus tells us again to baptize all nations, and I know your children are citizens of this nation, so that includes them in the all nations. But I love the way Jesus welcomed children. He welcomed them, and as a matter of fact, he said the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. If you've been at a baptism, you probably heard this section read from Mark. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them, and when Jesus saw this, he was indignant said, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took those children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. Now, you may not quite understand how a child can sin, and yet Psalm 51 tells us that a child is conceived in iniquity. Think about that. Born with original sin, and then they sin themselves. And you might go, oh, no, they're just little cute. They can't sin. I'll tell you what. Do an experiment. Take two two-year-olds, put them in a room with one toy, and close the door. Yeah. Now, there are denominations, like the Baptists and the non-denominational churches, that, that they don't baptize children. What they would say is children can't consciously understand and confess sin, so they dedicate the child to the Lord. And then when the child takes themselves to a certain level of faith, then they choose to come to God in their baptism. A reminder, baptism is God coming to us, not us coming to to God. And he can come to anyone. A little child, like in the story I told that was like a day old, or an older folk as well. Now, my daughter was uh, married to a man. He grew up with no faith whatsoever. Not that they were uh, atheists. They just no, never heard about faith or church or anything when he grew up. He marries my daughter, starts coming to church here, comes to faith, is all on fire for the Lord, and they have their first child, my granddaughter. And he calls me up and said, we want to schedule a baptism. Would you do it? And of course, yeah, that's really cool for a grandpa to baptize his child. Got all excited. But here's what he said that's intriguing. He said, but dad, I am not baptized. And what I'd like to have happen is I'd like us to come in. I'd like you to baptize me first so that as a baptized father, I can present my daughter. 
See, it's not about the type of water. It's not about us. It's not about our age. God coming to us whether we're six weeks old or 30 years old. Now, if baptism's so good for us, should we just keep getting baptized over and over and over again? I mean, we sin over and over again. We get communion a couple times a month. But see, communion, we're told to do this often in remembrance of me. Very, very different than our baptism because baptism one time is all that we need because God gets it right each and every time. So I sin often. Why do I only need to be baptized once? Because again, God says it. And secondly, because he is giving a perfect gift to us. Perfect gift to us. Ephesians 4 tells us that there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. We're buried with Christ. We're raised as he was raised. And we may fall away, but God doesn't. God is always there just waiting for us. When I was six weeks old, I was baptized as a Catholic. And then in my high school and college age, I became an atheist. I walked away from the Lord. And then when I found him again, or he found me again, I didn't have to get rebaptized. He never left me. I just ignored the fact that he was there. So lots of conversation about baptism, but, but what are the benefits of baptism? Well, benefit number one is the fact that our sins are forgiven. Our original inherited sin, our actual sins, our daily sins. We read this in Acts 2.38. Peter says to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Benefit number two, we're rescued. We're rescued from death and the devil. We're lost. We're hopeless. It's need of rescue. So this section in Colossians 1 says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Third benefit that we have is the fact that we are saved. And you go, saved? Saved from what? Well, we're saved from sin, from the consequences of sin. We're saved from the grip it has on us. And in Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, that second part's important because remember, it's faith that saves. How do we get that faith? Through the word of God, through the sacraments that he gives us as the means of grace. And then finally, number four, we receive a new life in Christ. This is the key to this process of baptism. It doesn't end one time I'm baptized, that's it. We're supposed to become all that God has intended us to be. 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So I want to spend just a little time looking at this because this is important. What does this new life look like? Well, I'm going to read a section out of the message translation just because I think it's a very helpful. This is Romans 6. This is a good place for you to go home and do a little extra study on this topic. But it reads... That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, 
you're not living under the old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So think about this section. God wants you to renew your mind. Get rid of anything that could lead you away from God's plan. And you can only do that how? By being in his word. Letting the Holy Spirit, which you receive at baptism, into your life to guide you and direct you. Because baptism is really about a relationship between you and God personally, but it's the beginning of the process. And now we need to make sure that there's good fruit, that God is growing in and through us. And how do we stay connected to this, this fruit that God wants us to have? By prayer, by studying God's word, by worshiping with us. And then God does through us bear fruit. And that fruit is when we share the gospel with people, when we serve people that are in need, when we support our church, when we make good, healthy, Christian lifestyle choices, and we pass that faith on to the next generation. But remember, that means giving your whole life to the Lord. Now, I think you might be sitting there going, yeah, yeah, makes sense, Dave. Okay, thank you, thank you. Listen to this story. Long ago, far away, Otto the Conqueror, he reigned over the people, and he was known for erratic behavior and brutality. And he was so busy conquering new territory that he never got married. And his advisors came and said, hey, there's going to be no heir to the throne. And he says, I'm too busy. You go find me a wife. I just want her to be beautiful, intelligent, and a nobleman's daughter. So they go and they find Sophia in a land far across the sea. And her father, who's a recent convert to Christianity, agreed. So this is fine, but anyone that marries my daughter is going to have to be a baptized Christian. Otto says, fine. So he makes the trip with 500 of his warriors across the sea. As soon as he gets there, he gets baptized. Now his men say, whoa, he's baptized. We should be too. The problem is in this country there, professional soldiers are not allowed to be baptized because of their lifestyle. Hmm. So the soldiers figure, well, I guess we can't get baptized. But the next morning, 500 of them show up and say to the priest, okay, we're ready to be baptized. And that was the oddest sight in the world. 500 men walked out into the water, pulled out their swords, held them high in the air, and sunk down just above their head. See, what they wanted to do was be baptized on their own terms. I want to be kind of baptized here, but you know what? I'm not giving up this thing that could get in the way of my relationship with the Lord. Now, that's an odd story, but I'm not so sure we're that much different than those soldiers. Oh, sure, we want to be baptized and be Christians. We want to be in God's church. We want to be part of his forever and eternity, but we want it on our own terms. And even though we're baptized with a new self, we want to kind of hang on to some of that stuff. You know, that stuff that maybe isn't pleasing to God. And yet Romans 12 says, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So our job is to offer ourselves, all parts of us, to God. So what part of your life are you maybe unwilling to let go of? What, what is the unbaptized arm, so to speak, that, well, I'll give God all of this, but eh, I'm going to hold this back? Maybe money? Maybe certain friends? Maybe power, maybe some type of alcohol or drugs or something that you just say, well, I'll give them most of my life. But you can't do that. 
got to give yourself to him. Now, I've been blessed to do over 400 baptisms, and everyone is special to me, but every one of those is so special to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because again, it's God's gift to you personally, a sinner who really deserves nothing. It's the water in God's word that is the avenue to forgiveness and eternal life through the Holy Spirit. Now Martin Luther said every morning we should get up and remember our baptism. Not be rebaptized, but remember it. We should sit and think about our sinful state we should thank God for the forgiveness we have. We should be reminded we're his children and that we're heirs of God. And this weekend is one of, my, one of my favorite weekends of the year. We messed up last year with COVID and we didn't get to do this. When we're going to be able to come forward and be reminded with water and God's word that you are a child of God. We're going to have you come up in a little while. Now, if you're online, what I want you to do is to take that time when we're doing this to remember your baptism. Take that time to remind yourself that you're a child of God, to thank him for this gesture of love that he has given to you. And then every time you shower, wash your hands, any time there's water involved, remind yourself that God used that with his word to make you his if you're not baptized, when you come up here, if you're on site here, when you come up, just kind of indicate some way so we know. And we're going to give you a blessing, but here's the challenge. Talk to me, Pastor John or Pastor Mark. Talk to us so that we can tell you about baptism and schedule a time when you too can receive this gesture of love from God. A couple of action steps for us. Number one, if you're not baptized, please, please, please come to us. We can talk about it. We can set it up. I can give you that opportunity to have this special gift from God. If you are baptized, then when you come up here, really reaffirm that, celebrate that. It's a gesture of love that God has given to you specifically at your baptism. He promises the Holy Spirit throughout your life. And then finally, now do something about it and put on that new self, guided by this gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this incredible way that you have chosen to come to us. You handmade each of us. Sin gets in the way in our sinful nature, and yet you come to us through your word and through the sacraments. Thank you for this power that comes into our lives. Empower us now to serve you to your glory, Lord. Amen.